Hello and welcome to Reimagine in 2022, building a diverse and inclusive team culture. On this podcast today, I'm joined by the Shani Mears, co-founder and head of talent at creative ad agency, The Elephant Room, alongside joint co-founder Dan Saxby. Shani founded The Elephant Room in 2017 at just 23 years old, fueling her passion for developing and working with genuinely inclusive brands. Shani and her team have worked on poignant causes and initiatives globally, enhancing diversity, equality and inclusion strategies at a brand level. These include Converse's black representation in the film industry, mentoring black talent and initiatives including Black History Month, Pride and International Women's Day. And most recently with Meta on our SMB DEI campaign. Welcome, Shani. Hello. Thank you for having me. I love that introduction, by the way. <laughs> Shout out. Um, I mean, it's all true. It's all real. Thank you for joining <laughs> us. Um, so the format of this podcast today is to just talk about building a diverse and inclusive team culture at a brand level within a company. And I'd love to ask you a few questions that are really important to us at Meta. So I'm going to dive right in. So as part of building an inclusive culture, the first question for you, Shani, is as many of us are still working remotely, how can we think about diversity and inclusion in the workplace whilst working from home? Yeah, that's, I think that's a really good question. I think it's just about understanding individual needs versus like people as one homogenous group. What lockdown did or what COVID did is like, it made us really understand that actually as individuals, as, as different people, we need different things. So whether that be people at home who are parents or people at home having to care for people who are dependent on them or from a leadership perspective, I think it's also about creating, um, I'd say like an open door policy. Well, mm. more often than not, I think when you enter the workplace, it is a very like CEO, C-suite, that they're at that level and then you see the mid-management and so then corporate, there's yeah. a junior in a, yeah, in a corporate phase and I feel like actually we need to sort of break break that bond a little bit and actually just know that we're all people, we're all dealing with things and remotely that allows us to be more flexible about having those just sort of natural conversations where mm-hmm. everyone is on the call, including the CEO as well as the entry-level person. Mm. And I think another thing as well is about recognizing you need to build an infrastructure where if people come alive, say 12 p.m., then they might work till 7 p.m. Or people actually start very early from 7 a.m. Is that how does that work for a company? Do we have a system in place that allows people to feed back at a certain time? It's also very important because I think, again, in the office, it's easy to get in at nine o'clock in, clock out at five, five, six o'clock, and it's like, okay, I'll see you tomorrow. But actually, some people, working from home it that's that's not that's not how they're going to be operating and I think it's also about as a company trusting that that person will get the job done mm-hmm. but also not not fixing them to a, a sort of construct of time you know it's leveled the playing field hasn't it like when you mentioned the c-suite and kind of certain mm-hmm. levels and tiers of people may sit with each other or hang out but working remotely has really drawn a spotlight on how you know easy it is to get access to people's diaries the social constructs at home Absolutely. like you said kids pop up in the background of the zoom calls or there's you know various bits and bobs so completely agree how have you I guess yeah how have you seen other companies successfully bring diversity and inclusion into their team culture and you know are there any particular examples that have stood out as being best practice in your journeys Oh, wow. That's a big question. <laughs> I'll start off with how I entered this industry. For example, I, I entered the industry through an internship program, which was about getting young, non-white individuals who were creative but didn't have an advertising or marketing background into the advertising space. And 
that was 10 individuals, me being one of them, and then 10 companies that signed up to that initiative. Now, that was a big gamble, I think, because we didn't know anything about advertising. So, Mm -hmm. but actually as companies, they said, you know what, this is necessary. Mm -hmm. And it's important that they understand what is accessible for them and to them. And as companies, we're going to take them on board and we're going to, we're going to put them through that process. So I think Liberty at the time, which was the um, company I, I done the short course through and then mm. got pitched through the internship to Iris. I think that was a really good example of like, you know, really taking a chance on talent and understanding how they needed to be nurtured in order to enter that space. Mm-hmm. And I think more companies, if they signed up to things that allowed them to have access to a different pool of talent, different thought processes of different people, it would just allow them to open up their mind a lot more because as a result of that, I'm now here. And that's why it's the elephant room with Dan. Had I had not had I had not come through that internship program, had I had not um, been believed in by by that company, I, I wouldn't be here today having this conversation. So I think that's a good example of being able to actually do something. Uh, I'd say um, at pace mm-hmm. and it make a difference. Mm-hmm. Fantastic examples, and I think if we you know if we break them down to their bare bones, it's about having those uncomfortable conversations, isn't it? And kind of understanding where the gaps are. And it's interesting when you speak about these different sort of initiatives and causes that companies are looking into, because I don't know if you'd agree, but it feels as though the conversation around DE&I has been popularized even more so since the tragic death of George Floyd, you know, which was very recently. And whilst this has been, uh, you know, an initiative that's been that mattered to companies long before that, it, it seems like that has continued to fuel the conversation where the Black Lives Matter became, you know, Mm. a standout globally. You're amazingly positioned as a company to be at the fore of that and kind of diving into that at a brand level. So I think, yeah, it's it's, it's brilliant that companies like yourself exist. Thank you. No problem, which I think is a nice segue into the next question around underrepresented communities in general. We're conscious some of our communities are underrepresented at, at Meta. And whilst we aim to build a diverse, equitable and inclusive brand, we absolutely want to avoid tokenism as best we can. Can you share any insights on how best to approach this issue when asking colleagues to, you know, take part in campaigns or speak on sensitive topics? Yeah, the first approach, I think personally, is starting where you're at and being transparent and being accountable. Mm -hmm. Because I think what happens is things like what you just explained, you know, George Floyd and, Mm -hmm. you know, COVID, all these like things that are literally that happen globally and it affects everybody. Mm -hmm. It's like a chain reaction. And I personally think they're not analyzing where they are though as a company, Mm because people are starting from different places. And it's about understanding like, okay, first of all, this problem didn't occur yesterday. Racism didn't exactly. start when George Floyd died. Mm. When, when, when COVID happened, a lot of things became a ripple effect after that when it came to unemployment in youth or when it came to about gender pay gaps in, in women, mm-hmm. who, the, like the people who were most likely to be furloughed and then let go and not, do you know what I mean? Like mm. a lot of disparities happened because of the things that were already happening in the industry. Mm-hmm. And I think had they had been addressed first, then it wouldn't be then such a disparity when COVID then happens. Absolutely. And I feel like what happens is companies are then like, okay, what do we need to do? And it's like, what do we need to do right now? What what can we do right now to make the change? But first of all, you need to acknowledge that the change is not going to happen overnight. Mm-hmm. So the investment, the time, the money, the acknowledgement all needs to be over a long period. Mm-hmm. You have to be prepared to have those challenging conversations. Mm-hmm. You have to be prepared to put in those time, that effort, 
that resource into those spaces, into those people, into those conversations, because what actually what actually they do need is the effort. Do you know what I mean? And I think more often than not, it's neglected, which is why things like George Floyd, when it happens, it, it becomes like not only a conversation about George Floyd, but about everything that's happening as an institution. Right. And I think for companies, that transparency and being accountable is where they need to start. You know what? We're not very good at, let's say, gender pay gap and our black, Asian and minority ethnic pay gap. Mm-hmm. And we're going to address that. We're going to do a report. We're going to audit. We're going to look how people feel in our company. And then we're going to say, you know what? We've, we're accountable now. And this is what we need to do moving forward. Mm-hmm. So I think it's about understanding where you're at, mm-hmm. being accountable, being transparent, creating an infrastructure. Do I need to look at my hiring process? And if I need to look at my hiring process, for the people who are starting from different places, do they still have the fair chance of getting in? Because a lot of the time that is also the case. Mm-hmm. It's about recognising what as an institution have we done to contribute to this problem and how we've we been complicit in this and what are the things that we need to do moving forward? Mm-hmm. Do we need to look at our senior leadership level for women? Do we need to look at how we're into, um, our black people are entering the workplace? Do we need to look at how um, we're treating our dis- disabled um, candidates? In fact, do we have any disabled candidates? Mm-hmm. And if not, why not? Mm-hmm. And I think it's about asking those questions. So there's, yeah, there's so much, but yeah. I think I think it's about starting, mm-hmm. starting about the, starting at that accountable and transparency space and then moving forward. I completely agree. I I always describe DEI as a social sport. We talk about majorities and minorities as though we exist in silo, but until we connect and have the conversation together and, you know, no one company is going to change their values and then everything is fixed. It is a global effort, which plays into creating social value as one of our core values at Meta, um, both professionally mm-hmm. in our work and when building personal relationships with each other. And you talked about kind of remote work and it's this weird world where everything exists through a Zoom call. But how might a company plan a social event in a way that everybody can take part and feels comfortable taking part? For instance, not everybody drinks. So, you know, planning a pub crawl may not you know, be right for everybody. They may drink, not yeah. drink because of personal Absolutely. reasons. It may be religious reasons. Have you seen anything where companies have done kind of fantastic get togethers, offsites, initiatives where it's done in a, in a way that kind of considers diversity? What I think is a really good example is Sharmadine Reed who is a entrepreneur, incredible black woman in this space, doing incredible stuff in tech right now. She's the founder of something called Beauty Stack. And the Stack is a membership for women who want to be incredible leaders, boss women. They want to build themselves economically, professionally, personally. And she has a whole community of I think it's over 800 women or something like that. And you can become a member and she does Motivation Mondays. She has meetups at a courtyard, let's say, fortnightly. But then she, she has a, a video library of like over 800 talks that you can access. And then she, and, and it's a calendar and it's something that it enables you to pick and choose where you feel like you're comfortable or what is most relatable to you. Mm-hmm. And I think she's executed that so well for women. But again, like when we're talking about inclusivity, you know, and, and and I think it's very necessary. I don't think that at all it should be necessarily opening up the floor to everybody, like in terms of men or non-binary individuals. But as non-binary individuals, you definitely can. And there are some forums where men do join that. So I think it's also about, it, it, it is this exclusive to women in terms of who can actually have the membership. But for a lot of the programming, 
men are sometimes invited to that conversation and you know different people are invited to that conversation to be a part of it as an as a whole mm-hmm. and i think that's a really good example of demonstrating what inclusivity can look like but still remain in a safe space for people who aren't quite there yet mm-hmm. because actually for women who have had let's say really bad experiences with men in the workplace or mm-hmm. who are just you know overcoming trauma maybe they don't want to really be around men right now mm-hmm. and that's okay recognizing that some people's experiences are why they make certain choices about not being in certain spaces or and I think it's also respecting that and I think that that is a good example of being able to build a, a program where actually if something's not for you something else will be mm-hmm. and and I think again speaking to that point around you know you made a point about you know not, not everyone wants to socialize at the pub or not everyone wants mm. to drink her. for example myself I'm not I'm not a drinker and, mm. and you know I definitely would not be going to the pub for a link up however I think it's important to recognize how can we bring a space like a blank canvas space and turn it into something where everyone can do something where there's there's non-alcoholic drinks but there's alcoholic drinks there's games but there's also educational stuff mm-hmm. like I think blank canvases are also important so mm-hmm. I don't like that answer the question no it yeah. does and I think yeah you've touched on a lot of points there that, that are super poignant and I think the majority often rules, doesn't it? That's just the way things usually work. So someone will suggest an idea, they mean no harm in it, and then that's what everybody's doing. So I think, again, it, it all just comes back to asking the uncomfortable questions and kind of gathering that data. In a slightly different direction to around the workplace in general and, you know, from a functional standpoint, the building our best work section of this. So the next question is about kind of marketing uh, more broadly. And thinking about marketing campaigns and staging events, is there advice you can give in helping us ensure we are designing with diverse and inclusiveness from brief through to execution? Oh, yeah, absolutely. As an agency, we have a way in which we work and infrastructure whereby it's about inclusive by design. So essentially, from the very beginning, the research, the audience is at the heart of what we're doing, depending on what that project is. And we stick by that and we encourage all our clients to do that, to remember that naturally we work in a very creative space, don't we? So a lot of people only ever see the end product, which is the creative. They don't really know what necessarily goes into that or the thinking behind such a simple idea or the creative. And I think sometimes clients, particularly, or brands, they just want, oh, we just want some great creative work. Mm-hmm. And we're like, yeah, but to get to that great creative work, you need to talk to different people and you need to have an inclusive process of that. And that means that you have to put investment behind that, whether that be time, whether that be people, whether that be resource. But you need to put something into that where you've got the tools in order to get to the great creative that you want. You have to go out there and speak to those people, embed yourself in those spaces that where they are. How do I go out and speak to a young Pakistani woman living in Manchester who wears a hijab and all her life she's only grown up in Manchester, but then people um, disregard her because she's from Pakistan. Mm. How do I how do I speak to that audience? Well, go and speak to her. <laughs> it really is that simple. If you as a stakeholder, as the leader, are encouraging the different people who look up to you, who are listening to you, not only are you getting that insight from your employees and building their confidence and like knowledge, but you're also building communities and trust. It's important that they feel safe, safe that the information they're sharing with us is not going to be exploited or it's not going to, it, it, they're not going to feel judged or there's prejudice against what they're sharing but actually this is a this is a, a, co- a company that trusts my views so it's making sure that when you are approaching those people you're approaching them with no bias mm-hmm. do you know what I mean because mm-hmm. you know the, their insight is important for the work that you're doing 
That's yeah. I mean, you've touched on so many things there. It, it makes me recall back to, and I'm probably going to butcher this and paraphrase it terribly, but Denzel Washington, I think he was talking about uh, directing the movie Fences. I think, you know, he was asked the question about, you know, the choice of director for the movie, it having a black director. And he used the sort of analogy of, yeah, Scorsese will probably do a great job directing this, but there'll be cultural things that he would miss because he's not from mm-hmm. the same background. And, you know, Absolutely. conversely, he would probably do an okay job directing a Goodfellas movie for it's controversially said, but, um, but he would miss mm-hmm. a lot. You know, there's a lot of nuance in not being close enough to, to what the actual campaign is. So I think definitely, you know, yeah. you have to do the market research. It can't be all of the theory and, and, and none of the practice. So I completely agree with you. And yeah. Staying with marketing and advertising, how do we ensure that we are being authentic in our design and messaging around key culture moments, you know, using Ramadan, Black History Month and Pride as examples? You know, back in the day, you had like school governors. Mm, I do. <laughs> in, in primary school or like in secondary school. I, I remember like my friend's mom being like a school governor, <laughs> like a parent. And I just used to think, why would you do that? I don't get it. Why is you? I used to be like, why is your mom? Like, but now I can put, of course you want to be a part of what, where your child, mm. yeah. And you want to understand what your child's learning. Mm. You want to have a voice in that. You, do you know what I mean? Of mm. course, of course you would. That is such an incredible thing that they don't just do that around Mother's Day mm. or they don't just do that around when parents' evenings coming up. Mm. They do it all year round. They have a parent governor council all year round because it's important that parents are understanding what their child experiences at the school. I'm not black in October. Mm. And then <laughs> this is it. Like, I'm black all the time. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm black 365 days, 24 <laughs> seven. Like it's important that actually yes I feel represented all the time Mm. and that council should exist all year round Mm. because I I do have a say on all the other cultural moments in the year Mm. and likewise for people who are disabled or people who are from the LGBTQ community Mm. or the people who are from you know the working class or lower working class that is their, their life experience so we should be building from early. We should be talking to these people before it comes. We we should let them know that they are worthy of being heard 365 days a year. Mm. So I think it's just about, as a brand, taking a responsibility and saying, you know what, we're going to do things a bit differently. We're going to build a council. We're going to build a community and we're going to stick with that community 365 days at the end. That's outside of your quote unquote day to day. Do you know what I mean? You have to decide to do that. That's what I would encourage, like, mm-hmm. plan ahead and being ahead of the curve and hire agencies like the Elephant Room that are already doing <laughs> If you do say so yourself. This is the thing. I mean, there's, there's nothing worse than seeing this amazing campaign from, you know, whoever the company may be, peeling back the curtain and realizing none of the faces match the campaigns the companies is so passionate about it can make you question well how much do you know or care about this campaign if you don't have anybody from that culture that exists within so I think it all ties back to doing the research making sure that the right people are the voices of these really really important cultural moments so and I love the example you used as well about you know your parent being a governor or being on the board or something and really understanding now as an adult like yeah to have a voice you know to actually champion the things that matter in the culture that I you know I'm from so completely agree with everything you've said as part of this call thank you so much Shani and those were those were all of our questions this has been really really eye-opening even as somebody from similar beginnings to yourself it's been really eye-opening just to hear about your journey into building out the elephant room how you would approach certain things as a company um, and just your your lovely self so thank you so much for your time Uh, thank you thank you thank you so much 
Thank you so much for having me. I super appreciate conversations like this because I think, yeah, it's just important to like, you know, be able to open up the conversation. And like I said, like starting where you're at. Maya Angelou is like my hero. She has a quote that is like, when you know better, you do better. Mm-hmm. And I think it's about understanding where you are as, as an individual, as a company, as a brand. And, and once you've analysed where you are, you can then move forward. It's, it's absolutely okay that you've never built a programme for young black people before or you've never built a programme for people with disabilities or you've never approached a conversation around race. It's absolutely okay that you have never done that. But now that you've listened to, say, these podcasts or now that you've read that book, you, you know better now and you can go into that with a little bit more confidence, a little bit more armour to say, oh, actually, I'm ready to have this conversation because I know where I'm starting from and although I do not have the knowledge or I may not have the experience, I'm willing to learn and I think that's all we need is just recognizing that you have the ability to do that so I think once you know better you do better some wise words from a wise woman Shani Mills <laughs> thank you so much for speaking with me thank you thank you, thank you for having me